Welcome to our Rock City Church podcast. We are so excited to have you join us. Our desire is that you would listen with expectancy for what God wants to do in your life. We pray that you would encounter the mighty love of the Father and that you would be fired up for the more that He has for you. All right. Well, good morning, everyone. Nice to see you and welcome to everybody that's here for the first time. I'm so glad that you're here. And again, my name is David Bendett. I'm the senior pastor here at Rock City Church. And we are full speed ahead into all that God is doing in our city and in our lives. And I'm excited about the times that we live in. Next week, I'm going to be starting a series on the supernatural. And I'm going to do it for four weeks. That's going to lead right up to Pentecost. We're going to be talking about the acts of God. Uh, The Bible says that God made his ways known to Moses and his acts to the children of Israel. It's Psalm 103, verse 7. You have to be an acts and a ways person. Now, God cares more that you know his ways, but his acts lead to his ways. And if you're not having encounters and supernatural experiences with the Lord, chances are likely you're dead as a doornail. Hearing God's voice is a supernatural experience. Experiencing him in worship, being born again, baptized, experiencing and encountering his presence in a profound way, praying in tongues, laying hands on the sick, casting out demons, it's all in the Bible. The problem is for so many of us, we've seen it done abnormally. We've seen abuse, we've seen misuse, and now it's led so many of us to disuse. But God wants correct use. And the Bible has a lot to say about what correct use looks like. The challenge is, is it's easy to fall prey to going through the motions. It's easy to fall prey to having a nice suburbia Christian lifestyle that has no power. And if there's not power illuminating out of you, how are you going to illuminate the lives of others? Through good preaching, through reason, logic, intellect. It's not how you're going to reach this next generation. You have to have encounters with the living God every day. Daily bread doesn't just mean work and money. It means eating and consuming from the life of Christ. He's the manna that came down from heaven. And so if you're eating and consuming from the life of Christ every day, you're having encounters with God. And then the natural overflow of that is the supernatural. We call it here the super normal natural. Because if you're a Christian, you have a full-grown Jesus living inside of you. And he didn't save you to live life for yourself. He didn't save you to hide out. He didn't save you to just make money and for your careers and to provide for your family. In fact, he's the ultimate provider, not us. And so if we're going to really touch those that are broken, hurting, addicted, depressed, strung out, abusive, angry, bitter, if we're going to help fix broken marriages if we're going to rescue the worst of the worst and see the power of God demonstrated, if we're going to do those things, then we have to walk in it ourselves and we have to have something to offer them when God presents the opportunity. And what that means is that we're cultivating something in the private. We're cultivating something in the hidden. We're cultivating something every day, but we're hungry for it. We're hungry for it. That's why 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 1 says, earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. You should have a zealous, fiery, hot desire for the spiritual gifts. Otherwise, it's all behavior modification and principles and five steps to be a better person. God wants us walking in power without fear and to do it the way Jesus did it. We just want to do it the way Jesus did it. And Jesus did all those things. I'm sorry if you saw it done wrong but there's a right use. I'm sorry if you saw abuse, but there's a right use. And we're headed headlong into Pentecost four four Sundays from now, Pentecost Sunday. Promise from the Father and an outpouring of the Holy Spirit that would equip the disciples to become apostles and then equip them to be effective witnesses. It wasn't just about tongues. It wasn't just about prophecy or even the gifts of the Spirit. That's the icing on the cake. The cake is effective power to be greater witnesses to do what God's called you to do for your family, for your spouse, for your children, for your friends, for your colleagues, your employees, your 
classmates, whatever it is. So God illuminates us with his spirit so that we can illuminate others. The question is, what's shining out of you? Well, that's what we'll be talking about the next four weeks. All right? That's what we're going to be talking about, supernatural. And we're going to talk about the acts of God consistently on Sunday morning for the next four weeks. And we're going to specifically hit hard on healing, physical healing, because a lot of people are sick. And we give nice accolades that God could do it, and maybe he will, and you know, maybe he won't, and then we have doubts, and then we half-heartedly pray. That's not how we are. That's not how sons and daughters are. And people are sick. And one of the greatest acts of God is when they receive physical healing because it brings a tangible reality of the kingdom of heaven to their life. And we need to see a lot more of that here. So if that excites you, you don't want to miss the next four weeks, all right? But today, I'm going to tag on to something I talked about last week, and I'm going to make this a little personal because it is personal. This isn't a message I've had to prepare for. It's a message I've been living, and it's this understanding that I need a lot more grace in my life. People say to me all the time, I don't know how you do what you do. I have multiple coffee shops setting record sales. I've got two kids. We're hoping to adopt a third. We've got land. We've got animals. We have multiple coffee shops. We have lots of staff. And people say to me, I don't know how you do what you do. And yet all the while, for the most part, I stay rested. I'm at peace. I'm trusting in the Lordship of Christ. I'm not anxious, worried. I'm not a mean old pastor where, because people have hurt me or left me or talked bad about me. And I have been, I've had a lot of people say a lot of things about me and I've been persecuted. I've been called a cult leader. This has been called a crazy church just because the way we worship and the extravagance and the hunger for the move of God. Challenges, most people don't read their Bible and they don't know what normal is. And then somebody... They've seen a lot of abnormal that's laid claim to doing it right when it hasn't been done right. right. And so they throw the baby out with the bathwater and they revert back to their traditions of how you were raised. Instead of letting God convert you into the more that he has for you, God wants to convert us all into something more. And unless you become like a child and be converted, you're not gonna see the kingdom of heaven. You'll only have principles and you'll be living from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and what's right and wrong and trying to be a better person, which will kill you. Right. It's never gonna work. And so for me, I've had people label me, I've been told in the past that I was teaching false doctrine many, many, many years ago. That I didn't believe the whole Bible. I don't know, weird stuff. I've been lied about. People have said that I said things that I didn't say or they caught me cussing somebody out in the public and they were sure it was me and it was never me. Just weird stuff like that, right? I mean, just, just you have to understand that the closer you get to the Lord and the more flamed on you become, you become a greater target for persecution, lies, and slander. And if you don't understand the purpose of those things, you're gonna get angry not only at God, but you get angry at the people that God's using to bring the life of Christ to your life. The more you grow in the understanding and the knowledge and the revelation, the, the, the more you draw closer to him, not only will you have a temptation to become prideful <clears throat> and think that you're something that you're not, <clears throat> and even that you're living without sin or that you know kn- known sin, that doesn't qualify you. Only the cross qualifies you. Only the blood qualifies you. Only Jesus qualifies you. And the minute you think you're good is the minute that you'll fall prey to pride and realize that you're not. Pride always comes before a fall. And so not only will you have to deal with pride in your own life, but you have to deal with other people exalting you and thinking you're so great. Praise is like a sweet perfume. You can smell it, but if you drink it, it'll kill you. It's poison. And the challenge is, is we all love the praise of man, but until you get past that and value the praise of God more than the praise of man, you'll always be a man pleaser and you'll always be moved about by winds of doctrine and worried about what everybody thinks about you and says about you. And then suddenly all this great revelation of who you thought you were and how powerful you were and how great you were in God all comes crumbling down and you wonder, God, what happened? I thought I was doing good. And God said, no, I tear that down in your life. 
Because if you're not leaning on me and vulnerable and desperate upon me, you'll find yourself prideful and leaning on your own self. So let's talk about that today. This is gonna be an incredible word because it comes straight from my own heart. And the word comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse seven through 10. You can take a look at it on the screen. Prior to this passage, Paul had, Paul was so humble, he wouldn't even talk about himself going to the third heaven. He's like, I knew a guy. He's the guy. He was taken to the third heaven. First heaven is the earth's atmosphere where the birds of the air fly. The second heaven's the moon, the stars, the sky, the, and that's where a lot of demonic activity happens. And the third heaven's where God resides. You can see two of them. And if, once your eyes are open in the spirit, you'll see a lot more than what you see in the natural because there's a whole nother reality behind what you see in the natural. And so Paul's talking about these incredible encounters that he's having and that he's, it was so incredible he couldn't even talk about it. But he said, actually, instead of talking about this incredible encounter that I actually don't want to tell you about, I'd rather boast and talk about how weak I am and in my infirmities. You know Why? because that sets up the contrast. Because anybody that thinks they're great and they're something and high and mighty is rarely ever talking about how weak and broken they are and all their suffering and hardships. See, we don't want to talk about suffering. It messes up our theology. We don't want to talk about the fact that God had to have me walk through something extremely difficult and hard that was painful, but God, he was actually using it and all the while, we're complaining on Facebook and social media about it. And then we're, we're pleading with God to take it away. And God says, uh-uh-uh, ah, ah, ah. this is actually for your benefit. Right. We're going to go deep today. So let's look at the scripture. Unless I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations... A thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my strength is made perfect in your weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in my infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses, for Christ's sake, for when I'm weak, then I'm strong. Now, we're not going to actually go into the deep theological understanding of what the thorn in the flesh was, but I believe personally that the thorn in the flesh was a person, a messenger of Satan, that was constantly bringing accusations and lies and uh, all kinds of slander against him. But Paul also went through all kinds of other hardships. He was beat, he was whipped, he was flogged, he was having eyesight problems. He was having all kinds of things that were going on in his life. And that's why he said, I'm gonna actually take pleasure in my infirmities, reproaches, needs, and per needs persecutions, distresses. The reality of it is that it comes with a life that draws closer to the Lord and gets more understanding. But then it becomes a paradox. You know what a paradox is? It's something that seems so completely ridiculous that the more understanding you get to the Lord, the less you actually know and the more humble you become. That's a paradox. It seems idiotic in the natural. But see, pride says something opposite. Pride says, look at you, man. You overcame all that sin stuff. You've you're strong now. You're mighty now. You're good now. You know the Lord now. Look at how much scripture you know. <laughs> it's a deceptive trap, y'all. Do not fall prey to it. And some of you have, and then when God tore that kingdom down, that beam in your eyes, what it is, it's a beam, because it's holding up your religious facade, and eventually it all comes crumbling down. It's a house of cards. God says, get that beam out. Right. So the thorn had a purpose. Let's say that the thorn has a purpose. It's a beneficial purpose. It was needful for Paul's development. So the thorn in your life is needful for your development. Yeah. And it caused 
it causes us to do something. It causes us to call on the grace of God. You want to learn the grace of God? We're not talking about what it is and what sufficient grace is, but the thorn had a purpose and the purpose was to call on the grace. And whatever situation it is that you're facing in your life, and everybody in here has a situation. Everybody here has something that they need more sufficient grace for in your life. And if you're going to go anywhere that God's called you to go or do anything that God's called you to do, you're going to need a lot more grace to do it. So it was in the overcoming. It was in the betrayal. It was in the accusations. It was in the lies. Oh, but we don't like that. It's not comfortable. It doesn't fit our American gospel narrative. We're sold a bill of goods and lies that the, the kingdom way, the kingdom road is filled with rose petals and it's easy and the truth is, is that God allows adverse adversaries and persecutions and difficulties and struggles and chi- trials and even overcoming temptations to develop you. You can't crucify yourself. You can't crucify yourself. So God will use people, circumstances, situations to get you on that cross. And all the while, we're pleading with God, take it away from me. And he says, no. The thorn keeps us from becoming prideful because all of us can have a predisposition to deception. All of us can. In fact, one of the greatest revelations I've gotten in the last year is my heart's deceitfully wicked, but I used to hate that scripture. But the truth is, is it really is. Hence, I need God's perfect love constantly revealing his love to me and transforming my heart on a daily basis. But we all have a carnal nature that has to die and if we don't sow to the spirit, we reap from the flesh. Not only do we need God's sufficient grace to stand in the face of great challenges, suffering, persecution, adversity, weakness, and even temptations, you need God's sufficient grace in everything in your life. But we also need God's sufficient grace in the midst of great responsibility. When God starts to expand you, when the things you were hoping for and believing for start to come your way, when the more and the bigger and the stuff and the expansion and because God delighted in you, he took you into a broad place. Hallelujah. Woo, I'm in a broad place. And God says, beware. You're gonna need extra sufficient grace then. Business blowing up, record sales, can't keep up. If you don't expand on the inside, the outside's gonna kill you. And you can never expand on the outside until you expand on the inside. And if you're not leaning on God's sufficient grace, you're leaning on your own strength or the things of this world to propel you. This is good preaching. I'm just saying. Oh, it gets a lot better. God had me up all night again, so I've been, I sent the message at six this morning, so just, just know I've been soaking on this. We all need God's sufficient grace in the midst of great responsibility so that you never become exalted beyond measure, lest I become exalted beyond measure. Either A, you become prideful, or B, everyone else is exalting you. Be recognized. Even Jesus' brother said to him, why don't you go to Jerusalem for the feast and show yourself? Nobody who claims to be who you claim to be hides. That's the world. Show yourself. But God says, hide yourself until I reveal you. Come on, man. It's either you're revealing yourself or he's revealing you. Who would you rather it be? 
so that we never become exalted beyond measure in pride or others recognizing what God is doing in us, he allows thorns in our flesh. Only Christ should be exalted in our lives and only Christ should exalt us in a way, in his way and his timing. Lest, listen to what he said. Who's being exalted? Who, who should be exalted? So what happens is the closer you get to the Lord and the closer you start to look more like him and sound more like him and act, and people go, I see the Lord in you. And then wisdom radiates out of you like a light. The millionaires come and say, you have something I don't. I want what's in you. Because wisdom's more powerful and costly than ruby, gold, gems, diamonds, or a billion dollars. Never forget that, ever. Only Christ should be exalted. And if any of us were gonna boast about something, let us boast in our weakness, our brokenness, our vulnerability. He said, I'm gonna delight. I'd much rather boast in how broken I am and how desperate I am and how weak I am and that I'm actually not that great, but he makes me great. I'm nothing, but with him in me, I become everything because he's everything. But the world is so contrary to this. The world is all about promoting you, propelling you, recognize you, see me, 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 me. And social media fuels, fuels that itch in our life if it doesn't get crucified. So God will use something else or somebody else to crucify you. Again, it's a paradoxical statement. It seems absurd, almost senseless, and completely contradictory that the greater your understanding of God, the less you actually truly know and the more humble you should become. John the Baptist, here comes Jesus. He recognized Jesus was coming, the Lamb of God to take away the sin. He says, I got to decrease so that he can increase. And we all should be living a life of decreasing. And the more you decrease and the more you make yourself of no reputation and the more you make yourself a bond servant to all and the more you lay your life down and give away what God's given to you and it doesn't become about you, the actually the more he exalts you and raises you up because you're trustworthy. And now you're not trying to get something from somebody else or network or work an angle or you got something I need and now I'm gonna be your friend so that I can get something from you. And oh, that guy's got a lot of money. Woo, wow, he's got a lot of money. I need to be around him. So maybe he'll give me some. Or we covet what they have in our heart. You should hate covetousness. We have to refuse the praise of men and allow the, the, we have to refuse the praise of men and allowing the prideful exaltation of ourselves from within and without in our lives. Do you want the eyes of man or do you want the eyes of God? I want the eyes of God. That's what matters the most. Pride has to be killed in all of us, especially the stronger and healthier you become in the knowledge of Christ and the death of sin in your life. Self-righteousness is the worst kind of killer. I hate self-righteousness. I hate it with a passion. I hate religious facades. I hate people that put a religious pretension on and lay claim to knowing God and have actually no idea who they are. Now, I love the people and God's given me grace to wade past that and through that. But the truth is it's a spirit that I don't like. It's a religious spirit. And so, all of us get a messenger of Satan given to us. All of us get a lion, a bear, and a Goliath. Now, Israel could have had a prayer meeting and fasted and prayed that God would defeat Goliath for them. But instead, Goliath taunted Israel, mocked them, slandered them, made fun of them face to face, and Israel could not go to their destiny until they made it through Goliath, and a prayer meeting wasn't going to cut it. 
because they had seven nations to take and a city named Jericho. And all of us have to make it through a Goliath that taunts you, lies to you, mocks you, and slanders you. What's gonna happen if in the next four weeks I start teaching on the supernatural and incredible supernatural things start happening? And then people start to mock us or mock you. And you were caught on video laying hands on the sick or having a demon cast out. I don't, I'm not out to publicly show you. I don't like some of that stuff even being filmed, but we live stream. What's gonna happen if somebody gets a picture? What's gonna happen when it becomes your testimony and you say, oh man, I didn't want that to be part of my testimony. <laughs> I don't wanna tell anybody about that. You have to get some thick skin to deal with some thorns. The world's a thorny place. I love in Jeremiah, it says, if you can't find peace in the land of plenty now, how are you gonna find it when you're in the floodplain of the river Jordan in the marshes and you can hardly walk and only God's supernatural power can part the river Jordan to get you to the other side of suffering. And when suffering comes, if you don't have an understanding in advance and find it now, it doesn't go the other way around. God only takes you into more difficulties and hardships and adversities because he knows you can be trusted to change the situation. And now you make waste places gardens. Take me to the waste place should be your prayer. Take me to the waste place. So we all get a lion, a bear, Goliath. We all get a Jericho. All of us get accusers. All of us are tested on a daily basis to boast either in ourselves or in Christ, in our strength or his strength, in our accomplishments or in our weakness. I've had a lot of accomplishments in my life. And I feel like I need the Lord more than I've ever needed him ever in my life. I feel more desperate, more broken, more hungry, more thirsty. And many days I feel as if, Lord, I'm not even sure that I know you right now. (laughs) He says, let me show you my power because it's in that place of humility and brokenness and weakness that you discover his power. His power actually it works through and is revealed in that weak, broken place. Yeah. Never stop crying out. Amen. Never stop staying desperate. Amen. And never come to the place where you think you're something that you're not. Amen. We all face harassment, constant misunderstandings. Do any of you feel misunderstood? <laughs> harassment could be the lies of the enemy in your ear at 11 o'clock at night. Anxiety, fear, worry, doubt, disbelief. You're never gonna make it. God's not there. God doesn't care. Lies of the enemy. They don't like you. They're never gonna be there. You're being overlooked. There's tons of them. And if it's for my faith, my belief system is for the way God wants to use you and the things that he shows you, then you should gladly accept it. Knowing that in the times of your greatest hardship, the power of God has the greatest ability to work through you. So rejoice. Paul said, I actually am rejoicing because this is making me to be something even more than the mountaintop experiences of the third heavens and the power. This is making me to be something so that I'll actually sustain it when the other comes. God's power finds its expression in your weakness. Hence, you should celebrate your weakness and instead of being defeated by it, delight in it. Yeah! Yeah! Woo! That should get you all excited. Celebrate your weakness. Don't be defeated by it. It's an opportunity to allow the power of God to be revealed in the midst of it. That's why we say, when you start manifesting, 
God's come even closer than before. And you can pull away and you can run away or you could stand right in the light and let God deal with you how he wants to deal with you. The greater the persecution, the greater your battle, the greater your need, the greater the grace, strength, and power of Christ can move through you. And if we learn to boast properly, we set the contrast between what's real and what's not real, the authentic versus the disingenuine, the world versus the kingdom, the real apostolic versus the fake apostolic, the broken and weak things of this world, yet the most powerful in his kingdom. God uses the weak and and broken, foolish things of this world. That's all of us. You know that, right? To confound the wise. Trusting in Christ, the cross, the blood, the power, the resurrection, a son, Jesus living in me, hearing his voice, casting out demons, the supernatural, praying in tongues. You're going to get persecuted for all that stuff. It's all in the Bible. All of it. And if they persecuted him, how much more will they persecute us? And Jesus even said it. Because they hated me, they're going to hate you. The challenge is, is none of us want to be hated, so we're nice Christians. And we become more of an audience than an army. And we're consumer Christians. Don't be a consumer Christian. Have something to be hated for. Mostly by the enemy. Okay, mostly by the enemy. All of us get a Judas... You ever been betrayed? You ever been stabbed in the back by somebody you love the most? All of us get betrayal. Jesus was betrayed. But all of us must call on the grace. Without challenges and crises, we'll never discover or call on the grace. So Paul realized this was what God was saying. It wasn't even about the exalted It was about the grace. It was this understanding that his grace is sufficient. And if you don't understand sufficient grace, you're going to lean on everything else to find comfort and strength. And even though we wish so many times God would remove these thorns from our flesh, God says, no, they're needful because they actually develop you. It's like being disciplined or scourged as a son or a daughter. Let's look at that. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 5 and 6 in the Passion Translation. And you've forgotten his encouraging words. Oh, yeah. These are encouraging words. You should be encouraged by this. You're going to get scourged. You're going to get disciplined. But don't underestimate the value of the discipline and the training of the Lord God or get depressed when he has to correct you. For the Lord's training of your life is the evidence of his faithful love. And when he draws you to himself, it proves you are his delightful child. Look at verse 11, Hebrews 12, 11 in the Passion. Now all discipline seems painful at the time. Yet later it will produce a transformation of character, bringing a harvest of righteousness and peace to those who yield to it. That's why I said last week... Sometimes I wish I could deliver some of y'all out of the frying pan. But that frying pan is God frying anything in you that's not of him. He's frying things out of your life. That's the purpose of the fire. He will baptize you. This is John 3.11. He'll baptize you in the Holy Spirit and fire and the winnowing forks in his hand and he's separating. He's taking a fork, a big pitchfork, and he's pulling out the chafe, the weeds, all the, the stuff inside of you that needs to be burnt, and then he's burning it. Or he's cutting off branches in your life that are producing no fruit That's right. and burning them in the fire. Yeah. And sometimes it hurts, but our response should be, Lord, I want to be born again again. Yeah. Cut them off, because if there's a branch in my life that's producing bad fruit, I don't want it anymore. Yeah. Woo! Yeah! <laughs> Come on, guys, you get this? I'm telling you, this is wisdom. You need more grace. You need a call for the grace. And stop complaining. And stop begging God to take something away when maybe God's using it to make you to be more like him. Your job, your employer, that mean boss. Those coworkers talking trash about you. 
because you're such a crazy Christian. I mean, none of that happens at Coffee Waves. Coffee Waves is the best place to work. Don't you understand that God uses these types of things to make you to be more like him? If he went through it, you'll go through it. And if you keep complaining in the midst of the test, you're gonna wander around in the desert for 40 years and you'll keep coming back to that same situation. Mark said this to me once before. He says, I know this crossroad. I know this scenario. I've seen it many times. Do you ever come back to the same spot and go, wait a minute? This again? God says, just a little bit more. I've said, God, how much more can I die in my marriage? Yes, yes. Should I go there? Ain't my wife's not here. But it's on record. I, I don't think I can do it. Yeah, just get another goat. That's right. Get another sheep. She'll be happy. That's right. He says you can die a lot more. God will do whatever it takes to get you to look like him. That's his glory. His glory is his manifest image inside of you. And he wants you to look like him. And when you look like him and you act like him and you talk like him and you listen like him and you love like him and you've died like him, it's supernatural, incredible things happen. He takes you places, he shows you things, hence Paul going to the third heaven. Then he says, I'm not even gonna talk about that guy. I knew a guy. Instead of going, man, look at me. Let me tell you what I saw. He said, it's not even lawful for me to speak it. I knew a guy. So we say whatever it takes. Come on, y'all. Don't get religious on me. Whatever it takes, God. Whatever it takes. I'll do anything you say. I'll go anywhere you want. Here I am, Lord. Use me. Send me. Whatever it takes. And here comes the crucifiers. This one's supposed to look like that. Here comes the liars. Yeah, I wasn't planning for that, Lord. In this case, whatever it took was a thorn in the flesh to discover sufficient grace. When the scripture says that the thorn in the flesh was given to buffet, It literally means to be slapped in the face or boxed in the ears. That's the word, boxed in the ears. Do you ever feel like you're in a boxing match with your head and your thoughts? Wheels are spinning, can't find any rest and any peace. If you don't understand the grace of God and have true lordship in your life, you'll have restless nights with nightmares and lack of peace in every situation. So then God can't expand you because the expansion is gonna kill you. It'll kill you. And so we crumble in or complain in our weakness when instead our weakness should be, it provides an opportunity to show the power of God. So then we cry out to God. He says, no. We say, why? He says, because my grace is sufficient. What is grace? Grace is God's favor that you never deserved, but it's also his empowering ability that gives you the strength to become something and to do something. That's why you're saved by grace through faith, and you can never boast in yourself, Ephesians 2.8. For by grace, you've been saved, through faith. So everything starts with faith. Yes, Lord, I believe. Yes, Lord, I'm trusting you. And so then he enters you into this process of sufficient grace that saves you not just once five years ago or at a church camp when you were a kid, but it saves you every day, all the time. I was, I am, and I will be. It's new life all the time. All, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. We're constantly being made new when we're, you're in Christ. So today, you should become a little newer than you were yesterday. Instead of old, stale, stagnant, moldy, and complaining, and grumpy, down, broke, busted, discouraged, depressed, 
and that situation and that person and those people, and now I'm a victim. Do you know victims and sons can't cohabitate? You can't be a son and a victim or a daughter and a victim. Did you know that? But many of us are living like victims. It's everybody else's fault. You did that to me. And I don't like you. You're a thorn in my flesh. Get out of my life. What if the thorn in the flesh, what if God brought thorns in the flesh, not only to buffet him, but to save them? But you're so mad. You're like, you're a messenger of Satan. Get out of my life. There's been messengers of Satan that come into this church all the time. Warlocks and witches and just don't like me or like us and call us names and all kinds of stuff. Weird things. People, I don't even, shouldn't even tell you some of this stuff. And you know what? They felt so much love and power. It didn't matter what they sent my direction or your direction. It was stabbing them back in the stomach. And they realized this is more powerful than they are because darkness can never overcome light. Darkness is the absence of light. Light reveals the darkness. It doesn't go the other way around. Now, if I have darkness in me, if I don't know who I am, I'm not talking about struggles with sin because I'm not condemned. I'm talking about a lack of confidence and security and understanding in who you are. Because if it had to do with a sin thing, then you would strive to be more perfect and then you would claim your victory on how good you were. I'm gonna kill this good thing inside of y'all. Doesn't work like that. It's complete dependency and lack of condemnation. What's worse, battling a sin that God's leading you through to overcome or victim mentality and shame? Shame and victim mentality is way worse because it keeps you hiding and then shame always blames somebody else. It was that last pastor's fault. It was that last church's fault. It was my parents' fault. It was my ex's fault. It was my last spouse's fault or my current spouse's fault. It's their fault. Doesn't work like that. Jesus' entire ministry revolved around grace and truth. John 1, 16 and 17. And of his fullness, we've all received and grace for grace for the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Christ. So are you living through the law given by Moses or grace and truth given by Christ? Live by the grace and truth given by Christ. It's grace heaped upon more grace. That's what that means. God heaps grace upon grace and it comes from the overflow of his fullness. We're made complete in him and we have, full, we have a full grown Jesus. That's what that means, of his fullness. Where is he? The fullness of him is here. That's what that means, of his fullness. We receive constant favor, empowerment and strength to become like him and to overcome every adversity because his grace is sufficient for you. What does sufficient mean? I really want you to catch this word. God gives you exactly what you need and when you need it. And he does it to perfect your character into his character and nature. He knows what you need. So sufficient means more than enough to ward off, defend, protect, empower, be satisfied with and unfailing. So sufficient grace means God sets up a barrier. It means I'm going before you to protect you to give you my favor and my strength and it's my ability in you. That was the point with Paul. You can't overcome this situation or deal with that betrayal or that Judas or that hurt or that pain or that thorn in your flesh without a sufficiency of my grace. And my grace is more than enough for what you need right now. So stop complaining. It didn't say that, but I added that. Yeah, stop complaining. Take responsibility. Lean on Christ. God has a plan. You're growing. You're here. Thank God. You discovered. You're learning. You're coming out of the deception. You're coming out of all that stuff from your past that kept you blinded that you didn't know. You once were blind, but now you see. You see. It's awesome, isn't it, Jordan? (laughs) And so... 
If you're finding sufficiency in his grace, you'll always, if you're not finding sufficiency in God's grace, you'll always look somewhere else for sufficiency. Value, recognition, money, status, looks, clothes. We're gonna look everywhere else for sufficiency instead of looking to him for sufficiency. And it's never gonna be adequate or satisfied. That's why alcohol, drugs, sex, it never satisfies, ever. It may seem to for the moment, but in the end it leads to death and destruction. And it never, ever, 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 ever satisfies outside of God's design, ever. You're never gonna be satisfied if you're not in God's design, ever. So your sufficiency needs to be in the grace of God, not in the things of this world, drugs, alcohol, the arms of another. And God wants to develop us and he uses thorns to do it. God doesn't remove them because they're the ones that take us to our cross. Israel could have prayed, but God had to face Goliath. God, God says God didn't teach them something, they had to face it head on. And God would use Goliath to promote David. He got a prophetic word from Samuel, but he's got his promotion from Goliath because they said, that little boy cut that guy's head off. He had a prophetic promise, but somebody, he had to stand and face the, the giant and cut its head off if he was gonna go to take the seven nations or drive out the seven nations and enter into the promised land. And y'all get a Goliath, all y'all. All y'all, all y'all get a Goliath. So cut its head off and trust God in the process. I'm gonna leave you with this. The thorn is an instrument in your development. Some betrayal is necessary for our development. How can we overcome without some betrayal? Everyone gets a Judas, a Goliath, a Hebron, and it all leads to a Jer Jerusalem. Call on the grace of God every day and make it your desire to go nowhere or do anything without his presence going with you. If God isn't going and the cloud's not there and the presence isn't there, do not go there. Jesus only did what he saw the Father do. He was only led by the Spirit of God in everything that he said and did. Now I'm gonna leave you with this. In Exodus chapter 33, verse three, God tells Moses, go up to a land flowing with milk and honey but I'm not gonna go with you. Because if I go, I might consume you on the way for you're a stiff-necked people. You know what stiff-necked means? Stubborn, set in your ways, immovable, unmoldable. You think you have all the answers. You think you have it figured all out. And it gets worse even the older you get. And especially if you think you're good with, and spiritual. Stiff-necked. Whereas God wants to turn our heads all the time. God's constantly wanting to turn your head. So you can see, discover, learn. You discover the process of grace in the midst of, for the Israelites, it was Egypt. Or, I'm sorry, it was the desert. So now they're at Mount Sinai and the chapter before, while Moses is up talking with, the, with God face to face, guess what the Israelites are doing? They're finding sufficiency in a golden calf and their jewelry. They made a bunch of ornaments and they sure look good. And they thought they had an answer because they could see in the natural their golden calf because that's what they had taken with them out of their past. And God says, look, I made a commitment to you. Head on out. I'll send my angel with you. What would you rather have? An angel or the presence of God? The presence of God, there's a price to be paid. It costs you everything and you have to sacrifice. Everything. If you don't forsake all, you can't be a true disciple. Right. Marriage is a forsaking all covenant. Did you know that? When you said yes or I do, you forsook all. Yeah. And now we're manifesting with each other because I don't want to forsake all. Yeah. Right. That's another message for another day. <laughs> Just got to forsake all. And look what Moses says in Exodus 33, verse 13, 14. He says, I'm, I, I'm gonna pray to you if I have found what? If I have found grace in your sight, show me now your way that I may know you and that I may find grace in your sight and consider that this nation is your people. 
This was a test. Look at verse 14. God said, my presence will go with you and I'm gonna give you rest. He gotta lead 2 million people to the promised land. Stubborn, complaining, frustrated, wanting to go back to Egypt. And, God, and Moses says, look, if I found grace, you go with us. These are your people. And God says, because you, you got it, that was the picture of perfect love. It was a test. It was all a test. Would Moses be like the Lord? You know, Abraham was like the Lord when he cried out for Sodom and Gomorrah. God tried to show his perfect love to Sodom and Gomorrah just 10 people, probably even if just one, one righteous person. Abraham's crying out to God and calling to the city to repent, the most wicked city ever on earth. God would have saved it probably for one righteous man. And it was his perfect love crying out through Abraham. It was his perfect love being revealed through Moses to a stiff-necked people. And now when stiff-necked people come around you, are you going to say, God, destroy them? Or God, I need your presence and your grace to go with me. That's your answer. So what's your thorn today? That person that hurts you? Bitterness, unforgiveness, struggles, challenges. You know, God never, God doesn't ever tempt you. But he allows temptations so that he can lead you out of them. So the, in the daily, in a, a, the Lord's Prayer, it says, and lead me not into temptation. The better way to say it is, and lead me away or out of temptation. So some of you are going through it today. You need sufficient grace because this thing's going to kill you. Too much responsibility or God's calling you to bigger things. God's taking you places you've never been or you got adversity going on like you've never had before. You're wondering how in the world am I gonna go where God's called me to go? I'm I feel like I'm barely making it day by day. God says, my grace is sufficient. If you're not leaning on the grace of God, you're never gonna be made new and become more like him and go where God's called you to go. If you can't run with the foot soldiers, how will you run with the horses? And you think all the horses are big and mighty with lots of money when a lot of them are laying on their back dying and they can't get up without a team of people to push them. And you see wealth and status and influence and God sees they're stuck on their back in a pit. Get down on your knees and push. I knew a guy that just did that two days ago across the street from my house. The horse was laid on its back and I got called to get the horse up and out. And I'm pushing the horse. And for weeks, God's been showing me about the horses. I knew a guy. God, I pushed that horse saying, I got knocked in the head. I got a big bump on the back of my head. I'm pushing this old horse to get up off the ground. And then I, I was like, well, we should pray for that horse. So I thought this to myself. This would be a great opportunity to show all these people trying to push this horse up how great God is. He goes, yeah, go ahead and pray quietly to yourself. Because in my mind, oh, Lord, what an opportunity. And what if I would have laid hands on that horse and it would have popped right up? The praise of man is like a perfume. This isn't about us. This is about exalting Christ. His grace is sufficient. Now that horse got up. It took a while. That's how horses really are sometimes. So why don't you just close your eyes for a moment. I feel the Lord in this place right now. Some of you have been so hurt. You've been betrayed, cheated on. Constantly lied to. Your ears being beat, boxed. Feel slapped in the face. 
wondering, how am I ever gonna do this, God? I'm so overwhelmed, my family, my job, more and more people, more needs. God, I, I, I'm so overwhelmed. If you feel overwhelmed, you are in the best place for sufficient grace. This is the best time for sufficient grace. Call out to the grace. Call out to the grace. Just feel the wind of the Spirit on this. Call out for the grace. Call out for the grace, beloved. Call out for the grace. God, we're calling out for grace in this place. We call out for grace in our lives, God. We can't do this without you. Lord, your grace is sufficient. Forgive us for complaining. Forgive us, God, for seeing it through our own eyes and not through your eyes. We call out for grace, God. I speak grace to overcome those temptations, to overcome fighting back the way people are fighting you, your family members, but to love them, love those who persecute you, pray for those who slander you and spitefully use you, give to them, show the perfect love I've shown to you. Stop fighting in your own strength, beloved. Call out to the grace. Call out for the grace that saves you, that makes you new, that protects you, that goes before you, that ushers in the power and the presence of God in the midst of your weakness. In your weakness, his strength is made perfect. In your weakness, his strength is made perfect. So thank you, God, that this is a place of grace and that we are prepared for all that lies ahead. Whatever it looks like, Lord, whatever you bring, even messengers of Satan. Thank you for sufficient grace. And we're gonna boast that we're weak. We're gonna boast that we're not all that. We're gonna boast that without you, we're nothing. We're gonna boast that we're predisposed to deception and lies. That's why we need you, God. That's why I need you. That's why we need you. So that deceitful hearts won't go the way of the world or look to the world for comfort. We look to you, Jesus. And I pray, God, for the wind of the Spirit to propel through the hearts of everybody here as you go. I pray for the breath of God to come into your heart and your mind and your ears. And while you're being boxed in your ears, may you find rest in the midst of all the battles. God said to Moses, my presence will go with you and you will have rest. Cry out for rest. God, help us to rest and trust you and the grace in the midst of every battle and every storm that lies ahead or going on in our life now. I bless you all mightily with supernatural peace, health, strength, boldness, confidence, resilience, and authority. Walk in the authority of Christ inside of you and humble yourself. Humble yourself. And in due time, the Lord will exalt you. Let God exalt you. It's way better than man. I bless your life. Come against all the adversity, the lies, the fears, the addictions, the doubts, the disbelief, the strife in your home, the worries about your business. God's got this. Put your hope and trust in him and let him lead you. I declare lordship over your life. If you do not have lordship in your life, you need to surrender all and forsake all. You're gonna do it in your own strength. Just tell him, Lord, I forsake all. I'm sorry, Jesus. I don't wanna do this in my own way anymore. I can't carry this weight. I cast my care upon you because you care for me. I bless all of you today. Resiliency, beloved. Resiliency in who you are as sons and daughters. You are not orphans. You are not an orphan. Run to Christ. Run to the cross. And I bless you all mightily with dreams, visions, and supernatural encounters with the living God. May you see him everywhere. 
in your entire life and even in the weakness and adversity. In Jesus' name, amen. I love you guys so much. Stay fired up. Woo! Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this message, please subscribe and share it with your friends. And if you want to partner with us in what God is doing here at Rock City, you can give by visiting our website at rockcitycorpus.com slash give.